Yeah, I am completely outnumbered by (laughs) Pennsylvania natives, Penn Staters, who are like history teachers buffs with Turner Classic movie (laughs) issues. You married into it. I married into the cool crowd. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) He doesn't say that. That's the right answer. Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. And today, we are chatting with Jared from the Real History YouTube channel. Welcome, Jared. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy to have you. Now, before we get into our conversation and before I introduce our guest, I ask our listeners and our watchers, before we start emptying our glasses, I want to ask you to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, potentially in Spotify, or you can reach out to us over at thehistorybuzz.com. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, Talk With History, where we, where Jen and I dive deeper into our Walk With History videos and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our history-based YouTube journey. Now, our guest today is Jared, like I said, the host of the Real History YouTube channel. That's R-E-E-L. And Jared provides energetic and insightful cinematic journeys as he explores how the past is portrayed in film. And as of recording tonight, his channel has just over 25,000 subscribers and almost, I just checked this, almost 3 3 million channel views, which is a pretty cool number. So how are you doing tonight, Jared? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be with you all and uh, share some historical passion with everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now Jared, I kind of like to kind of open it up to our guests a little bit. So I'm I'm curious. I'm usually curious to kind of learn about maybe where you grew up, how you kind of came to enjoy and kind of have a passion for history. I've always had an appreciation for vintage things, okay. uh, whether it be old cars, old toys, things that I would find at my grandparents' house. I've always had that love for things that came before me. And that eventually evolved into a passion for classic movies. Okay. And naturally, I saw films like The Wizard of Oz when I was very young. Uh, but then I shortly thereafter discovered Turner classic movies. Oh <laughs> and these you these and I black and white. I did yeah. the weekend. I've done yeah. Turner classic movie weekend in L.A. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Well, kindred spirits we are. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I found out that these movies transported me to another time, times when people wore different clothes, they lived in different houses, they drove different cars. And that really fascinated me as a seven or eight year old. That was compounded by my discovery of the movie Gettysburg when I was seven. Okay. Uh, which uh, aired on another Turner network, uh, mm-hmm. TNT. And shortly thereafter, my very patient parents were (laughs) kind enough to take me on my first summer vacation to Gettysburg. And it was probably about 110 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Uh, It felt like we were walking on the the solar surface. Uh, But 
I was absolutely captivated because really for the first time ever, I was able to translate something that I saw in a movie to something that I was seeing in person. Oh, cool. And I suspect that's the case for a lot of Civil War historians my age, uh, but I was hooked. And my parents took me there multiple times per year for every year thereafter. And I, I still continue to make pilgrimages there. And 15 years after I saw the movie, I ended up working there as a park ranger. Oh. And so I am, I am a living representation of how powerful historical films can be because it really dramatically shaped my life. Oh, that's so cool. So are you from the Pennsylvania area? Yeah, I'm, I'm from uh, the Altoona, Pennsylvania area. Okay. And I ended up coming back home to my native area. And yeah. currently I'm a history professor at Penn State Altoona. Yeah, I am so. completely outnumbered by <laughs> Pennsylvania natives, Penn Staters who are like history teachers buffs with Turner Classic movie issues. <laughs> you married into it. I married into the cool crowd. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> he doesn't say that's that the right in answer. private, let me tell you. <laughs> so so that's that's really interesting. And everybody has their own story about how they kind of came to be passionate about history. So how did that eventually translate into the YouTube channel? Uh, so a good friend of mine, I also do World War II reenacting on oh, the cool. side. I'm, I, I really enjoy taking history beyond the traditional confines of the classroom. Absolutely. And whether it be in-person presentations at historic sites or museums or taking it digitally, uh, one of my uh, really good reenacting friends uh, and now my producer, Andrew Collins, uh, I would often go to he and his wife's house. And inevitably, we would watch historical movies and inevitably, I would always give color commentary, <laughs> uh, you know, either praising or ripping apart historical films. Sure. Can't help it. And and eventually he just drew the conclusion. Why don't we just put a camera in front of you yeah. and share these sorts of observations with broader audiences? Uh, thus, this became a pandemic project of sorts because oh, okay. things were closed. Yeah. Or we weren't doing our travels. The events that we typically went to it's were perfect, not occurring. Timing, yeah. uh, and, and so that is when we ultimately decided to pull the trigger and embark on this adventure. And uh, oh, cool. it's really exceeded our expectations We've only been doing the channel for slightly over a year, oh and uh, we've 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 grown far faster than what we possibly could have anticipated. Yeah, but I uh, I like to think that one reason for that is that we're kind of cheating in a way because we're really working with things that are very much in popular consciousness and yeah. within popular culture. We're looking at really famous popular movies. Uh, and so I, I feel like we're kind of ripping off some of our fellow historians who are starting channels or, or something like that. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, uh, historical representations is seen in film is something that has long interested me. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, we read, you know, one book for every 10 movies we watch. And I suspect yeah. that proportion is not getting any better in, sure. in our modern age. Uh, the most successful historical book it cannot come close to competing with even the worst historical film. Yeah. 
as far as outreach is concerned. Uh, And so I I like to think of our channel in part as a as a public service initiative. Sure. uh, Where we parse fact from fiction and uh, perhaps give people a little bit of clarity on historical films that they might really enjoy. Yeah, well, and, and it's funny because we had actually after we had started our channel, mm-hmm. right? Again, it was kind of during the, during the pandemic we started our channel, um, and we had it had been probably close to a year, mm-hmm. but we had been driving somewhere, and Jen was talking about some movie or whatever like that, and she was like, "Oh, I should I should make a YouTube channel where I review and talk about you know historic movies," <laughs> and then later on, probably no more than a couple months later, we found your cha- we found your channel. But mine was going to be a little different. It was going to be like. I was going to talk about how Belle from Beauty and the Beast, if she would have married Gaston, probably would have survived the French Revolution. Right. But by marrying the prince, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was going to do more like Disney, like what could happen. Well, and that's one of the cool things. And I think you kind of your channel just displays that is that there can be channels like History Underground, mm-hmm. right? You know, our friend JD, who's traveling all over the place and yeah. he's doing like really good stuff and his, his videos are fantastic and he's, he's going everywhere. Um, and then there's, you know, the other piece of history where you're talking about more of the popular culture at popularized, you know, as times of history through movies and stuff like that. But people who are interested in, in history they're going to be interested in like, well, hey, was that accurate or was this not accurate? Yeah, and there's huge crossover there because, I mean, JD does a ton of Band of Brothers stuff. Yeah. Like the actual locations. And and I know I looked at some of your videos. You do a ton of Band of Brothers episode by episode. So it's good to know this is what really happened. And he goes, yeah. and this is what it really looks like, you know, so... Yeah. So what what has been kind of some of the some of the more surprising things aside from the growth? I mean, that's twenty five thousand in, yeah, in that period of time. That's amazing. Um, but like as far as community feedback or, or what's something that kind of stands out to you there? It's really incredible just to be interacting with people from all over the world. And yeah. sometimes you, know, you, you inevitably get some grumpy comments. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's just the, the nature of the Internet. But most of the time there are often these really profound discussions that are happening in in the feed below a lot of our videos because uh, people either have a direct connection to the film and or the story related to the film. A lot of the times when we look at World War II films, our viewers, they share comments about their dads or their uncles or their grandfathers or their great-grandfathers uh, and they offer their own sorts of stories. And so it's very organic in a way. And I, I think it adds to the conversation. It adds a, a degree of context to our own commentary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's very rewarding when you look at things like that. People connect. People share email addresses. Yeah. Uh, you know, one person said, oh, well, my grandfather was in this outfit. And then somebody else later on in the comments said, oh, my grandfather was in the same outfit. Oh, cool. And, you know, as far as I know, they they started a conversation about their shared familial experiences. Yeah. Uh, and so seeing things like that happen in this very spontaneous manner, I think, are one of the, the more rewarding characteristics of running this channel as such. That's that's super cool. I I think Jen and I would agree working on this channel together 
some of the the most rewarding stuff that we've had the chance, mm-hmm. you know, that, that have come out of it is some of our kind of like our, our community, right? The, yeah. the community interactions, there's probably like a really good, we've got a, a, a small but powerful core, yes. I'd say, of, of community who interact with us all the time. And again, they've emailed us directly. We've gotten mm-hmm. to know some of them. Um, and I think to your point, that community and the stories and the connections that you see come out of that is really one of the more valuable things of, of doing projects like this. So that's that's pretty cool to hear that. Um, so I'm going to veer now from your interest in history and kind of how your channel started into something, into a historic topic. And I like to start off with what I call the word association game. So word association game, it's, you may not know quite where it's headed right away. Usually by the end, you can pretty much tell what kind of a historic event or something that I'm referring to. So I'm going to give you a word. You say the first thing that comes to mind. And if you're listening or if you're watching, feel free to play along. This is just kind of a fun way to broach a topic. So if I was to say um, 1950s, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Eisenhower. Okay. How about Hollywood? What would you think? Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that's a good one. Jen likes that. (laughs) Okay. If I was to say Lucille Ball, what would you think? Redhead. Okay. Now, how about McCarthy? Witch Hunt. Okay. Yeah, we're getting closer here. How about House Un-American Activities? (laughs) Is that the answer or the question? That's that's that's, like that's the last of, again, word. Witch hunt, probably that's, again. <laughs> yeah, that's the last word. What's the la- What's that? That make you think of persecution? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, really, what I'm driving at is the Red Scare, right? So, the Red Scare of the kind of starting what in the 20s all the way up through the 50s, where it was kind of was at its peak. Um, and so, I talked about the 1950s, Hollywood, and I, I threw Hollywood in there, right? Because your channel, right? So, I, I kind of did that a little bit on purpose, yeah. like some movie stuff. Lucille Ball, she actually was blacklisted for a little while. Mm-hmm. She was accused um, of communism. And then, obviously, McCarthy, mm-hmm. uh, he was the one kind of leading the whole charge with the House on American activities and, and that whole red scare back then. So, I, I, we do that. One, it's a kind of a fun way to broach a topic, but I also like to ask people what do you remember learning about? maybe either when you were younger or something that stands out to you now Mm -hmm. that you learned about that event later on that you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Yeah, and I suspect this is true for many Americans, but I don't really recall learning much of anything about it uh, in in high school, uh, maybe a little bit in college. And it it hasn't been until more recent years uh, that I've started to look into it a little bit more. And interestingly enough, I'm uh, currently reading a book called Hollywood Victory, which looks at Hollywood during the World War II years and in the 1940s. And that book uh, has a number of sections that are very much dedicated to the Red Scare, both uh, before, during, and after uh, the Second World War. And, you know, there were a number of uh, individuals, uh, James Cagney, uh, Edward G. Robinson, um, who were really uh, persecuted mm-hmm. yeah. uh, by the forces within the Red Scare because um, this, this may seem really like an like an oxymoron to us today, but they were anti-fascist a little bit too early. Yeah. Uh, and for that reason, they were targeted. You know, they were 
banging the drum against Nazism in the mid 1930s when that was very unpopular in the United States. Uh, And that is one of the things that propelled James Cagney to take on what would ultimately become his award-winning performance in Yankee Doodle Dandy. She loves loves, absolutely loves that movie. (laughs) The stars are aligning here this evening. Uh, But one reason he took that on was to show how patriotic he was. Yeah. Uh, And combined with that, he was on uh, the the war bond tours mm-hmm. in okay. a very, very vigorous way. Uh, and so it's interesting to see how the Red Scare uh, shaped the careers of a lot of really well-known Hollywood figures from this classic era. And some of them were able to dodge the bullet ultimately, uh, like James Cagney and Lucille yeah. Ball. But uh, Edward G. Robinson, of course, you know, later on, Dalton Trumbo, uh, who Brian Cranston yeah. por- portrays. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlie Chaplin, especially, um, mm-hmm. is, is a tragic figure because he made movies championing the plight of the yeah. poor, speaking out for pacifism, yeah. uh, making movies that were a mockery of Hitler. All of these are good I things, I think we would argue. Uh, and for doing that, he's boo out of the United States for well over 30 years. Yes. Uh, and so uh, it, it it was a process of that uh, created many victims, unfortunately, who yeah. did not deserve it. Yeah, I, I would have to echo what you said. I don't really remember too much learning about it too much in, in high school, maybe in like AP US history, right? Maybe just like hearing about blacklisting, right? That's probably the one thing that kind of always stuck out to me. And then again, later on in college, a little bit more. Um, and then I always learn, I've learned more history being married to this one yeah. um, than, than I ever did in, in school. So, <laughs> And I think I learned through the movies, Jared, right? Because I remember watching Chaplin, right? And watching Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. is when I first was like, why did he get kicked out of America? Like, why, why did he live in Switzerland all that time? And that's when I first really learned about the Red Scare. And it was probably not for college. I got my under, my undergrads in accounting at Penn State, but I have the minor in history. But I really didn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it was military history. You know, so um, it was probably in between there, just movie related. You know, and I knew James Cagney. Was put, you know, and I, the Yankee Doodle Dandy, no one questioned his patriotism after that. Jimmy Stewart, Clark Gable, everyone who's kind of doing all the war movies and stuff, right? So, um, and I saw you just did the Jimmy Stewart Museum. We had done that about That's a year correct. ago. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that poster with all the actors on it who were in the military. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I named them. Yeah. Right? That's right. Because uh, there were many male actors who joined the military during that time right it's really neat the 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 50s every time the more videos we do right the the more topics like conversations we get to have with with fellow history fans like you the more i i I learn like one of our biggest series right is emmett till we we did a three-part series on on emmett till and kind of all all that stuff that's some of our more popular videos and one of the things we did for the videos that i that i actually didn't think about it first, but we went back and did and, and added it in was kind of set the stage for what was happening in the fifties. Mm-hmm. And the fifties was such, I mean, you, I mean, world war two had, had just kind of ended, ended not too long ago in the fifties, baby, baby, baby boom. But the, there was so much happening in the fifties, whether it comes to the red scare 
or I mean, simple like house desegregation, like simple household American things like Mm -hmm. Disneyland opened, Mm -hmm. different things like all this stuff, this growth and this conflict. And the 50s was every time we talk about it, the more and more I'm like, man, the 50s keeps popping up like every single time we talk about some historic event or era and it's got a tie to that period, you know. And, you know, when I was kind of coming up with this word association game, I didn't realize how, to, like you said earlier, how much some people were persecuted for just literally protesting and not protesting against America, just protesting in general. Like J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, they would be like, oh, yeah, you're a protester. OK, you're you're blacklisted and you're probably a communist and you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> there was so much scandal in Hollywood. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush. There was a lot of that going on. And unless you are putting out there your 100% patriotism, yeah. you're being investigated. Right. Unless you're unless you're like T- James Cagney and James and Yankee well, Doll Dandy. Like yeah, you like make you a movie. Make a movie. Like yeah. you're making this huge message. But if you're on the fence or if you're a foreigner, if you're someone who wasn't born in America, if you've made a movie that was on the edge of social norms, right? Like you're going to be investigated because it could, you're, you're, you're influencing people and you're influencing people's character and it's anti-American. And so those kind of things, you know, what actors did back then, some of them took a stand and, you know, Lucille Ball took a stand, right? She, and it was a, yeah, it was an interesting time. Have you done any kind of 50s era movie reviews? I haven't watched every single you know, video on your channel. You, some of your videos are, are pretty long because you're, you're talking about movie sections. But have you done some that, <laughs> that kind of either stand out to you or they're like some of your favorites? One of our first videos that we did was the movie 42, which uh, is the Jackie Robinson yep. story. And oh, it yeah. begins in the, the late 40s and it goes into uh, the early 50s. Uh, but there are... There are a lot of 50s-themed movies yeah. uh, that I would love to take a look at uh, a little bit more in depth. Um, and then there's even the quasi-fantasy uh, films uh, that depict the 50s. One of my favorites is Pleasantville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, where yeah, young Tobey Maguire is uh-huh. pulled into this Mayberry-like setting, yeah. uh, Leave it to Beaver setting, and mm-hmm. starts turning the world uh, upside down within his television set. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I... I, I I'd be interested in looking at, at films like that as well. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we, we, we've accumulated a very long list of, sure. of movies uh, from our various comments and, and emails that we get. And we've only scratched the surface thus far. You know, I know. We, we just reviewed on the we Talk just With did podcast. We just reviewed Elvis. Jen went and saw the movie Elvis. Mm-hmm. She loved it. So I got my master's at the University of Memphis. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it kind of helps that I was immersed in Elvis history yeah. for three years. Yeah. And uh, I I also emphasized race in my master's degree. So that also helped, like being in on Beale Street, doing a lot of that kind of research. Mm-hmm. It just immersed me in all of that. So I could talk to, that didn't happen at that concert. It happened at this concert. And that's not what that has happened. You know, like, so I kind of knew all of that information. Just, I'm not an Elvis historian, and I put that out there, but you cannot live in Memphis, Tennessee yeah. And not know these things. Elvis is the, is the town, right? And living there, 
so all these people had personal Elvis stories. It was just amazing to me how much he was Memphis, Tennessee. And and even for me, right, as someone, I, you know, I generally know who who Elvis is and have learned learned more. But just talking to her, I haven't seen the movie yet. She went and saw it, was it like early opening night <laughs> or something alone. like that. <laughs> and uh, but even just kind of her taking me through the movie, telling you know, saying, "Hey, they did this, and he sung this song, but he didn't actually write that song until two years later." Or you know, but obviously for the movie, they always compress events and things like that. Um, so that so that was it was interesting hearing that. Um, but I saw you did "It's a Wonderful Life." Have you done "Yankee Doodle Dandy" yet? Not yet, uh, but I will add it onto the, the list. Oh my God. Uh, right now. <laughs> I love. I would love to do it with you if we get, but I love that George Cohan watched that movie and said, that's great. Who is that about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So another way to like, you know, whitewash movies for the American people, make sure they have good character in them. Cause George M. Cohan wasn't the, the most clean cut guy. <laughs> right. So, so Jared, one of the next things we like to ask our guests, because I kind of, I, I playfully mention this to, to people, you know, to friends. And I would say, hey, come listen to our podcast. I, I playfully mention like, hey, this isn't necessarily a history podcast. This is a person podcast. Mm-hmm. So I actually like to people ask, ask our guests, what's the first big historical event that you remember as a youth that really stands out in your mind? And it was just like, oh, my gosh. And it just it was kind of one of those like flagpole moments. You know, we all kind of have that one thing that we remember. Um, what's what's something to you that stands out that you remember if it's local or if it's national or global type thing? Uh, I'd say there are two uh, okay. events that, that stand out in my mind. One of them is very subtle, though, uh, very vague okay. in my mind. Um when I was very young, my dad coached high school basketball, and I remember January 1991 as the Persian Gulf War was starting. Wow. I don't remember anything about the war itself, yeah. mm-hmm. but I remember that during the national anthem, during the basketball game, uh, that people were crying because a lot of people in the crowd had family members oh, who were being deployed overseas as we speak. And so it was something out of the ordinary that stuck out to me. Yeah, and that's therefore, I re- remember, uh, even though I was only about three and a half years old huh. uh, when when that happened. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't remember watching it on television or anything sure. like that. Uh, but I, I look back and like, oh, yeah, like I, that makes sense now. Uh, the other one is uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was in about I was in about first grade yep. uh, when that occurred. And I, I think, you know, and as is often the case, uh, history is most pertinent when you have a human connection to it. Yeah. Uh, whether it be in real time or in the classroom. And uh, one of the things that made made that event stick out to me was that iconic photo of the firefighter holding and, and cradling the the young baby yeah. that had been killed in the daycare yeah uh, because um that uh that event happened just around the time that my brother turned one uh and when i saw that i thought of my little brother and i wow. thought you know how horrible and i i i perceived it through the lens of a big brother who had a younger sibling who was only a year old. And uh, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me in that regard. 
Wow, that's those are two very. So we haven't had two ones like that. I think maybe one of our first or second podcasts we had some Persian Gulf, Gulf some Persian Gulf, but no one's done at the Gulf Oklahoma War. City bombing. But I, but I remember. I'm trying to remember what I remember of the Oklahoma City bombing, and, and to be honest, what I, I remember that it happened. But honestly, what kind of really drove home what sticks in my memory like when someone says hey what do you think of when you think of the oklahoma city bombing is honestly many years later when i went back and visited the memorial so i was driving with my brother from california out to maryland where i was going to college and we we drove through oklahoma city and so we actually made a point to stop right this was in this is before like iphones and all that stuff right so this was 2002 time frame and uh so, so we made a point to stop in Oklahoma City and go see the memorial and just kind of how powerful that that memorial is in, in Oklahoma City because they have kind of the one side that shows one minute and then the other side that shows basically a minute later, right? And I don't remember what the times are. I think it's like four and two. Those are the minutes that I remember. I don't remember exactly what the time of day was. But to me, that's what's, what stands out because I think like you said – when you have that personal connection. And to me, that personalized it was actually going there and seeing these memorials, these, I don't know if they were actual grave sites or just markers, you know, for the people that, that passed there. But that's an interesting one that, uh, that, that struck home to you. And I, I, I find that so interesting, Jared, because the image is what resonates with you and you do real history. You do image history, you know, you're talking about images on film and what they, you know, what kind of feelings they give to people. But that image is, when I think of the Oklahoma City bombing, that's the image that comes to mind for me. That famous photograph of the firefighter holding the little girl. It's almost reminiscent of Jessica coming out of the well, right? Because all you see mm. is like an arm, right? And you can tell that the arm is is battered, yeah. right? So it's been abused in some way. So you know that that child has been through trauma, yeah. you know? And it is so... And in both pictures, there is like a person of law enforcement or a firefighter holding the child. So you have this feeling of protection, unable to protect, right? Yeah. So it is, it evokes a lot of feeling. So, right? so Jared, do you think that the reason, not only for the image, but you mentioned like your brother, I mean, do you think that that was kind of the first time for you that you were kind of, we talked to a Jared from the Daily Bell Ringer uh, last week or the week mm-hmm. before, and he says, right, kids in their youth are, tend to be, for lack of a better word, narcissistic, right? It's kind of all about them. They, they don't, when they're young, and that's just how people grow and mature. Do you think that was kind of a moment where that kind of snapped and you kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a big brother, I've got a family, and do you think that's what that was? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that as you suggested that that big brother perspective you know you have to look out for little ones sure you know if you're if you're the bigger one uh it also gave me a sense that there are bad people in the world yeah uh and there's there's a whole world out there that i don't understand that i've never been exposed to and that day was a very eye-opening one uh, you know for me as a first grader yeah and i and i I, and i think to me too the other points that stand out to me is that's kind of the the first time that I remember of like this kind of homegrown quote unquote right kind of terrorist they, they didn't call it that that back then right they didn't they didn't really domestic have yeah, they didn't kind of have domestic they didn't have the kind of the term domestic terrorism or anything like that but uh that was kind of the first 
time, I think it was so public. And part of it was the era, right? TV was becoming more and more accessible and cable news and all that stuff. Those are two very interesting ones. I I appreciate you sharing those with us. Do your family kind of remember anything about that? Like, did you ever talk to your family about like, hey, I remember when when this happened because of, you know. Not not too in-depth. I I should revisit those and see how my parents perceived them. Sure. Uh, Because... uh, yeah, my parents were at that basketball game with me, and so yeah. they could probably name some of the people uh, who may have been showing emotion in the moment. Uh, so I, I think that's a those are topics worth revisiting with them. Yeah, and, and again, the uh, that's interesting that at such a young age you remembered, right? I mean, you said you were what three and a half, maybe four. Um, that's I'll be honest. I don't think I remember anything. From, yeah, from Jared when I was seems that like young. a smarty. Yeah, he's yeah, a lot. You guys, are <laughs> I, I am. I'm the dumb one in this in this trio right to here. To be so self aware yeah. is is you know that takes a lot of intelligence. There. Well, and and we talked to someone else who had a similar. Um, I think it was Chris mm-hmm. Witt from the Wit Docs. Um, Chris Witt from the Wit Doc Cemetery Tours YouTube channel. Um, he remembers talking about. I think it was the Gulf War. Yeah. But they, because they kept bringing it up in his church. So, right, he's from Kentucky, right? So uh, church family and all that stuff. And he just remembers all of a sudden they were talking about this, you know, what was happening with the Gulf War. But they were talking about it in church. And he, he said there was a couple terms, and I can't remember what they were, but a couple words that kind of kept really drove home with him. And for him, it was similar to what you said about um, maybe not about the Gulf War, but about your brother. But he said it's the first time he felt like, hey, I, mean, I was in the church in this safe space, and all of a sudden there felt like there was this outside threat. There was something outside that kind of pierced through. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's really interesting. So so to to move on to our, our, our third question, which kind of this I think is a natural progression, I like to ask people some regional history questions. The fun part about doing this virtual type podcast and interview is that we can potentially talk to someone from anywhere. I'm still working on overseas. I was trying to set up something with someone over in England and the timing is just not great because it's like 1 a.m. there and it's 8.30 here and I'm still trying to figure it out. But for you, what's some regional history from either when you grew up or now that let's say me from California, I moved to, to your neck of the woods in Pennsylvania and full disclosure, I actually did live with Jen in Pennsylvania for two years up in Erie. We lived in Erie. Um, <laughs> what's some regional history that you remember growing up that a lot of, you know, non-PA types um, might not have ever heard of? These two left a big impression on me in my youth. I'd say one of the more iconic landmarks in my home area is the Horseshoe Curve National Historic landmark. Okay. Uh, and uh, for any of your listeners who haven't been there or seen an image of it, I encourage them to Google image search it because it's really a sight to behold. Uh, in the 1850s, as the Pennsylvania Railroad was trying to connect the east and west, they confronted the natural barrier of the Allegheny Mountains. And this was the yep. long before, you know, the the transcontinental railroad and long before railroads confronted the Rocky mountains, they had to confront this big barrier here in West central Pennsylvania. Uh, And so they did not yet have the ability to build a bridge across this large Valley, nor could they tunnel their way through it because it was just too thick. And they were afraid that the, 
the tunnel wouldn't be able to hold up the weight of the mountain. Uh, and so what they did is that they built a horseshoe shaped terrace that goes east and west. Yeah. Uh, that uh, serves as a, a major rail artery uh, to this very day. And it huh. was constructed by about 350 uh, Irish immigrants wow. uh, who were fairly fresh off the boat from the potato famine. Sure. And it, it served as a vital rail link uh, up through the, the 1950s. It still is in many ways. But in 1942, it was targeted by eight Nazi saboteurs as part of Operation Pastorius. No way. Uh, and so that's uh, some some really interesting local intrigue. Uh, and Altoona, where I am now, uh, was was built by the Pennsylvania Railroad. And yeah. so even t- to this very day, it's still known as Railroad City. Uh, so I would encourage people to uh, take a look at the place because it's still considered one of the, the great engineering marvels of the Western world. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have to look at, I'm surprised that you never told me about that, Jen. You, you did me wrong. Usually when we go to Penn state, we don't head to Altoona, but I can take you there. (laughs) We'll be there in September. We'll be there. Yeah. We're going out to September in September for a game. Yeah. So so if you want to see Altoona, I've been to Altoona many times as canning, you know, when Thon, when you used to take the cans around and get money Mm -hmm. for Thon. So, Thon, for anyone who doesn't know, Penn State Dance Marathon is one of the biggest run student philanthropies in the nation. And most of the money is raised by the students. They go around and collect money. And uh, I was ROTC, Navy ROTC at the time. So I was, and we went to Altoona. We go, you go door to door. I think people in the greater Penn State areas expect it (laughs) of Penn State students. Sure. Um, And so I've been to Altoona many times. You have a great mall. Do you still have that mall? It's not what it was, but it's still there. <laughs> As Mall. is the case with most malls. Yeah, ma- malls are that's not. Another what... historical conversation. There you that. go. That's a, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Now, you mentioned two, so that was one. Uh, well, yeah, another one, um, and th- this was one of my first introductions, not only to history, but to the idea of reenacting of people who apparel themselves in yeah. the past. There's also a Revolutionary War fort a reconstruction of one in the area uh, that is called Fort Roberdeau, okay. uh, which oversaw lead mining operations for the Continental Army for huh. two years of the conflict. And so that was where I first saw a musket being fired. That's oh, where cool. I first saw reenactors. And that was really the first time, one of the first times that I experienced history with an immersive quality. Yeah. Uh, so that that was another really interesting one. That's that's pretty cool. So when you reenact, who do you dress up as? Well, uh, my grandfather, um, whose house I live in right now, uh, he served in the 4th Infantry Division during okay. World War II. And so yeah. uh, he was among the, the troops to land on Utah Beach on oh, wow. B-Day. Holy cow. And when I when I went to World War II reenactments, I thought, man, I, this is really underrepresented. Like everyone's dressed up as a paratrooper. You know, not yeah. everybody was a paratrooper sure. in, in World War II. Uh, and so, you know, I do it in part to uh, bring the stories of he and his comrades to life and to share some long neglected stories as such. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah my grandfather was in World War II. He was uh, Unit 3, the Spearheads. He was D-Day plus three, and he he drove a tank. He was in the Battle of the Bulge and the Battle of Cologne. Well, that was that your Italian? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Italian. Yeah, yeah, she's got some Italian side. He came uh, over to America and then went back three years later to fight, <laughs> fight for his new countrymen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the reenactments is something that I would love to start trying trying to cover on the channel um, because, right, for for us for for Walk with History, um, we try. You know, our kind of thing is is going to the location. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to be able to do that because being, especially being where we are now and shoot, even up in, in your, ne- your neck of the woods, yeah, there's right. plenty of battlefields all over the place where there's going to be reenactments, you know, so talk about, it's, it's perfect for video. Um, so that's something I would, I would love to try to start, start doing, yeah. um, every now and then. Cause I think that would just, for me, from the production side, it would just be kind of a fun challenge. Um, and Jen could stand there and be like this is what they're doing and this was the battle and they're doing this accurately and this is what this side's doing and this is what that side's doing and you know and, and all that stuff i think it'd be cool so jared um tell me more about what what do you teach at penn state i teach a variety of u.s history courses uh they consist of uh, pennsylvania history uh, u.s history survey courses uh, and as is the case in high school, you do one section that goes up to the Civil War and sure. you do another subsequent section uh, that looks at everything since the Civil War. Uh, I've taught three or four different classes on the Civil War era, uh, including how slavery and the Civil War have been represented in film. Oh, sure. Uh, that's a newer class. That's cool. Uh, and so it, it ties in with my channel very nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to do. I've taught a class about World War II in the Pacific. I've done another History versus Hollywood class. Uh, so oh, I, cool. I've taught about a dozen different classes uh, in total. That's awesome. Yeah, right on. We just did um, William Carney uh, from Glory. So we we William Carney was from Norfolk. Yeah, which is where we are. And so I talk about the movie Glory, how he's not depicted in Glory, but that Morgan Freeman right. and Denzel Washington play like a version of him. Yeah. But the, both of them split this one great man because it takes two great actors to play one great man. <laughs> yeah. So so when it comes to when well it, yeah, when it comes to your channel, uh, this is something I, I I'm always curious about. And I've asked a couple of our, our guests, like. What's one kind of video standout that's either like your favorite or just kind of surprised you either at the response? Um, what's one video on your channel that, that kind of stands out to you? One video that really caught us by surprise, uh, the amount of traffic that it received. Uh, we did a Band of Brothers short. Okay. And for for your listeners who may be familiar with the series, there's uh, the the story that is depicted in the film of Sergeant Chuck Grant, who is uh, almost mortally wounded by a, a drunken paratrooper okay. of another company. And things are greatly condensed in the series. And yep. so what we did in the special is that I found the original court-martial documents mm. Uh, for the paratrooper who committed this crime. And I did a walkthrough of how it actually played out and how it compares with what we see in the film. And uh, that generated a a lot of traffic and perhaps even a degree of controversy because uh, both alcohol and marijuana came into the mix. And uh, we found out just how how emotional people get about those two things. Oh, how uh, interesting. You include it with, uh, with people who commit crime. Well, under the influence of both of those substances. 
Uh, and so uh, it, it led to this uh, very interesting philosophical debate in the comment section about wow. what motivates somebody to commit a crime like this. Uh, so uh, that was a really interesting one, uh, but cool. it, it, it turned out to be our our most watched video. So we'll take what we can get. Sure. Yeah, and and honestly, like I technically our most watched video is a short as well, and it was just literally me like saying, "Hey, on this day, yeah. however many years ago, John Lennon, you know, was killed," and it, it was literally me just showing a couple a couple clips of yeah. of him. But our our most popular video video yes is the actors and actresses buried at arlington yeah so did you know marina mm, oh, yes. o'hara is buried at arlington yeah so i am I, I didn't know that and i i'm a huge john wayne fan and during the pandemic i was also looking up stuff on youtube and i was like who's been to Mar- marina O'Hara's grave where's marina O'Hara's grave and no one had been there and i'm like where is she buried and i'm like arlington and so we went there and to yeah. find it is hard because she's not buried under Maureen O'Hara. Yeah. And so if you even search the database, you have to search under her husband's name. Yep. And, uh, but it was awesome. And then all the other people, like I said, that poster, Jimmy, this Jimmy Stewart, um, museum, there's a lot of actors and actresses, maybe not all a list that have served. Yeah. And we went back and did a second video and that one was to me, that one was, was almost more cool because of some of the people that, that we uncover in our second video. Yeah. Um, for influencers and, and still some actors, yeah. right? You know, Gunny Ermy, mm-hmm. um, who is the, I can always, I keep forgetting his name. Um, Charles Durning. Dur- Durning. Yeah. He was super interesting. Oh, you would love Durning. Yeah. Veteran. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah. Lee Marvin. Lee, yeah. I, and I do uh, Lee Marvin yeah. cause I love the. Audie Murphy. Audie yep. Murphy. I do him, but yep. I love the yeah. man who shot Liberty Valance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I talk a lot about Lee Marvin. Classic. Yeah. There's there's a line from that movie that is applicable to almost any historical film, and the line is when the legend becomes fact, yeah. print the legend. We we have it in the video. Uh, and Hollywood does that so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that was like the one line that I think uh, Jen quoted me when when we were making that video. She's yeah. like, "Hey, make sure you get a clip of this. You know, the clip of that yeah. of that saying." I just you know, and I don't know who your big fans are, but I love John Wayne. And I love that movie. I always tell people because for me, that movie was such a a meeting of intelligence versus brawn. And sometimes you need both. Yeah. Right? Like you can't negate one. You can't negate the other. Sometimes you really do need both. And that's, yeah. and Lee Marvin, there's very few people who can hold up to John Wayne, right? To be, stand toe to toe with him as the bad guy. And Lee Marvin could do it. So to quickly circle back to, to Jimmy Stewart, now you, you, you referenced our video that yeah. we did about the Jimmy Stewart Museum. I, I have a very personal connection uh, with Jimmy Stewart because, you know, he was born only about an hour away yeah. from where I live. Um, but I also sent Jimmy Stewart a birthday card when I was eight. Oh, cool. Uh, and so, you know, all my friends were watching Power Rangers in second grade, and yeah. I was watching black and white movies. Uh, <laughs> so perhaps it was preordained that I would follow this route. Um, but in any case, I, I drew him a birthday card, and it had Harvey the Rabbit yep. on it, mm-hmm. yeah. the, the famous invisible rabbit. And so, unfortunately, it was in the final year of his life, and he couldn't write a letter back to me personally, yeah. um, but his secretary uh, wrote a letter Aww. and it enclosed what was an autograph. Oh, cool. From Jimmy Stewart. That's so awesome. Uh, and so and, and he, he, he passed away only a few months later. So oh, was, wow. my letter was probably one of the last bits of fan mail that 
that he received. Sure. Yeah, that's so great, Jared. That's, that's really, really I mean, cool. It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, period. Period. I watch it every Christmas Eve by myself. I love that movie. And She cries every time. I cry every time. <laughs> I love that he's in a Navy pilot. I'm always like, Navy pilot, his brother. I'm like, you know, I'm like, Harry wouldn't be there without his brother. You know, like, I just love that part. Um, we, I don't know if you watched our video, but I stand on his porch and I like freak out because I'm standing on Jimmy Stewart's Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. Someone actually lives there. It is, someone lives yeah. there, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I get all excited. <laughs> Jared, if people wanted to reach out to you guys or find your channel, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, people can go to YouTube and simply type in Real History. And once again, that's R-E-E-L, as in a film reel. And uh, we welcome subscribers and healthy, robust, and positive comments uh, <laughs> on our, our videos. Uh, you can also uh, follow us under that same title, Real History, on Facebook. And I also run a separate uh facebook page for myself which is entitled historian jared frederick and i try to do daily posts and like you share some uh, images and videos from my various adventures to historical places cool cool Cool. well thank you so much for joining us tonight um it was a blast talking to you and uh, and i'm hopefully this is the first time that we get to talk and many more times here here after this so thank you for listening to the talk with history podcast and please reach out to us at our website talkwithhistory.com but more importantly if you know someone else that might enjoy this podcast please share this with them especially if you think that today's topic would interest a friend shoot them a text and tell them to look up the talk with history podcast because we rely on you our community to grow and we appreciate you all every day We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.